Hope you're enjoying your Friday afternoon in Saskatchewan on another mild day across the prairies. Snow will fly into the weekend Monday as well, so we'll keep you up to date through the weekend, and the Highway Hotline will keep you up to date as well. Uh, Britton Gray is uh, in for a little uh, roundtable discussion. We do have some football to talk about, uh, Britton. Yes. Which is the story out of Toronto, where the uh, Toronto Argonauts and Chad Kelly are facing a lawsuit. Uh, the person is looking for damages of eighty-five, just about $86,000 from the Toronto Argonauts for wrongful dismissal and $50,000. Uh, from Chad Kelly uh, for violating the Ontario human rights when it comes to harassment in the workplace. Uh, So when you look at where this story is very early, this was only filed Wednesday and the report came out. um, These are all accusations. Nothing has been proven in court. But with the history of Randy Ambrosi being very strong when it comes to misbehavior from his athletes or the league's athletes, especially uh, towards women and fans. This will be an interesting decision if anything is proven or even a settlement is made outside of the courtroom. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow. And that this now there weren't uh, assault charges. That's one thing or anything that nature, but it sounds like, a very toxic environment was uh, allowed to flourish there with Chad Kelly being a part of that. And so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Like I said, if a settlement comes, if this does go to the courts and what else might come out, but it sounds like there should be repercussions for some people, especially those who were told it was happening and didn't go in and tell their star quarterback to act better or reprimand him at the time. And in the league policies that was formed in 2015, uh, and that is part of the accusation that they didn't follow the CFL's own protocol, when there's a report within the workplace, they are supposed to report that to the Canadian Football League so the league can start to look in, mm-hmm. into it as well. She is alleging that didn't happen because she said she went to Assistant General Manager John Murphy as well as the strength conditioning coach, her direct uh, superior in uh, Toronto uh, with what is going on. But when you look at all the allegations on what was said, uh, Chad Kelly's reaction towards her, and this comes from what she describes as Kelly continually trying to date her, asking her out, and all of a sudden it turned toxic when he started name-calling and calling her out in front of teammates, in front of coaching personnel, and things like that, and it's spiraled. And part of these incidents, the big blow-up happened two days before the East Final when Chad Kelly played like absolute trash against the uh, Montreal Alouettes in the East Final as well uh, with the Toronto Argonauts. But the history of Chad Kelly isn't a clean history. He's had some anger issues throughout his life as a younger man as well uh, from dating back to why he didn't stay at Clemson, why he didn't stay in Denver, and everything else. But these all need to be ironed out through the courts and those types of decisions. Jamie and I... Read the room, man. Just, just, you know, nothing good can come of that if you're Chad Kelly, if the allegations are true. Yeah. Again, we, we... But if they are, 
come on, man. Use some common sense. It's well, not going to work out great. Well, I stop reading through this stuff. It's like, oof, in a workplace environment. I don't know well, how many people uh, aren't severely reprimanded in their workplace if they have that type of behavior towards somebody. Yeah, that exactly. Like, there's a ton. There's a lot, a, more than a ton. A lot of marriages are based on work workplace environments, and they, you know that's where they meet and they date and. But this was not meeting and dating and, and cordial by the sounds of the uh, the allegations and, and what the lawsuit um, uh, infers or states. Hey, listen, you want to go for, try to go for a date? And she says, no, that's it. The end. Thanks. OK. Oh, OK. But. Yeah, the uh, come on, man. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Randy Ambrosi and the Canadian Football League, as they one, they've only sent out statements to those who have asked for them. They haven't come out fully and said this is what's happening. This is how we're handling it. It is just okay. They just found out about it like we did probably yesterday afternoon mm-hmm. when Rick Rested <laughs> uh, posted it. Also in the uh, Canadian Football League, as we were talking about earlier, Craig Dickinson is back to work as a consult, a coaching consultant in some capacity. Uh, with the Calgary Stampeders. No surprise Craig found work. And it's not only because his brother Dave's the head coach. Craig was a very accomplished special teams coordinator before he became the head coach of the Rough Riders. Accomplished and respected. We all kind of thought that he would end up somewhere as a special teams coordinator, just that the jobs didn't line up. You always find out where there's openings. And then he will add value to that franchise. He is a very good special teams coordinator, and you've seen it over the past few seasons. A good personality to have in a locker room, maybe not as your head coach, yes, but a good personality to have and kind of be that assistant coach, coordinator, consultant who the guys can go to, vent a little bit, and he'll have that positivity kind of around him. So, and good for Craig. Like I said, always like Craig interviewing him was always good to us in the media. So glad to see him land on his feet somewhere. But true, you've said it. There's assistant coaches and there's head coaches, and yep. it's, it takes I, a different personality to be great at one. Or the other. I, I am a big believer in that, that there's there's just different, as you said, different personalities, but different way that you approach. I mean, one thing that I think assistant coaches have to be is great communicators. The head coach doesn't have to be. The head coach can be, can be the guy over there. It's, you know, just wait till your dad gets home kind of guy. Or you can even have a head coach who's, who always likes to talk to everybody and, and be a big communicator as well. But your assistant coaches, and especially in, in football, have to be able to bridge the gap between a head coach and a, and a player. Although days are different now. There was a time when, when the coach wouldn't talk to you. That was a good thing. And you just, you just went out and did your business, right? Now, coaches, if he's not talking to you now, players are worried. So that's where they go to the the assistant coaches. Go, hey, what's with HC over here? How come he's not? What's 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 the deal? So you have to have those coaches who will talk to the players, almost befriend them. Well, not only almost befriend them, befriend them. You become especially in in the specialty situations like goalie coaches and their players are. Well, that's what really, Craig and the kickers and the long snappers yeah, and everything, just close. that small group, he was, right. like, you listen into those some of those conversations, and 
they're not talking about the ins and outs of execution of no. a long snap and everything else. They're talking about the the great programs on Netflix and everything else uh, that they're watching or should watch or debating what the greatest horror movie is. <laughs> dumb stuff, but but that's that's the friendship that that, that evolves. Uh, all right, uh, Britain. Um, we I, I know Drew's very passionate about this, but I'll take control of this one. Uh, the curling tiebreaker coming down to last stone draw. What do you think? <laughs> on, <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like there are better ways to have a tiebreaker, but if you don't like the tiebreaker, don't let it get to a tiebreaker. Go out, Fine. win your games, handle business. Sometimes it or be just better happens. in practice. Be better in practice. Apparently, um, yep, that's one way to <laughs> decide. That's we should really decide on who's better at practice. Uh, to see who we're talking goes practice on the, the championships. We're talking about practice. Talking about practice. Talking, not talking game. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. Talking about practice. I haven't seen not anybody other than maybe Caitlin Laws who agrees with the way that tiebreaker was settled in the pool A <laughs> of the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. I mean, Caitlin's okay with it. Well, She's of course fine she is. With that. <laughs> she was the one who had the best last stone drawn, got to the playoffs. She, she loves the tiebreaker format, but at some point. You should have to play a game to get into the playoffs if you're tied. Like, I get the head-to-head if a certain thing dynamic would have happened, and I think if it would have been Quebec losing yesterday, that Saskatchewan would have got through because they would have had a better head-to-head record against everybody else, but that didn't happen. But to come down to the practice shots before the game, silly. You practice like you play, Jamie. That's not necessary. Well, that's that. No, you, you play like you practice. <laughs> it, it, they're, they're both the same. You got to You got to perform out there no matter no, what. <laughs> Just like you play. Whatever it is, you know, I, I know what you were going. For. Yeah, you I, get I, what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're just saying. <laughs> OK, are we done here? Is there anything else you two want to talk about? Well, there's a pretty I'm big not, event. I'm not staying up. <laughs> not you're not staying up till four a.m. to watch no. the elimination chamber. What is got, four a.m.? It's in Perth, for Australia. It's in Perth, Perth Australia. Yeah. Oh, so it's two o'clock, two in the morning here, four a.m. in Saskatoon, uh, Saskatchewan. Um, but I've got three games in the next two days to broadcast. I don't know if I'm going to make it if I stayed up till. F- I would have to stay up till at least four, maybe even five, to finish watching it. So. Britain, you're okay. gonna have to. The most intriguing. There's there's one thing. Okay, WWE. Okay, that's great. There is one story that intrigued me more than anything else that Britain brought to the table when it comes to this show in Perth, Australia. What yeah. about the pirates? <laughs> so yes. they, great story. The elimination chamber, big, massive metallic chamber. They put them all in. It's massive. They you would use a boat to get it to Perth. I think it was the, the Suez Canal. I don't remember what canal it was. But there's concerns about pirates there, international waters, and that is a lot of valuable stuff on a boat. So they uh, called an audible, put it in a truck, drove it somewhere, and boated it out elsewhere (laughs) due to the pirate situation in those open seas. It's a mammoth construction, and it's not like you can just get an elimination chamber built for you within, you know, 48 hours after the, uh, the staging arrives. So, hey. So WWE planned to get the Elimination Chamber a different way because of a concern over pirates. See, that's a new story. That is a new one. That is a new one for me. 
uh, when it comes to the stage production of WWE or anything else of uh, worrying about the pirates in international waters. But it's, it's there safely, I assume, being as how it's a go oh, for yeah. It's there oh, safely. Yeah. Are you up at 4 a.m. to watch this? Or are you watching the replay? Probably yeah, not. So. I, I, I feel so. like I know what stories they want to tell. Yes. So. Yes. It's it's all going Although, down to WrestleMania. Wait, are you are you saying WWE may be a bit predictable on the storyline? I'm saying the on stories this- make sense. Exactly, and especially going into WrestleMania. But um, go on, go online, watch Logan Paul uh, talk to the people of Perth today. Pretty friggin' funny. I gotta give him credit. <laughs> Jamie and I, Drew Romenda, and uh, Britton Gray here on the Green Zone on a Friday on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I and Drew Romenda with you here on the Green Zone. Uh, coming up on dropping the gloves with Drew Romendo. They're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal. <laughs> Garrett Rank goes full West McCauley on the no goal call last night in the National Hockey League in the uh, Islanders game. Are you, are you a fan of that, Drew? Absolutely. Some people Absolutely. are mad. Just call the play. Don't make it about you. He wasn't making it about you. He's making it about you. <laughs> he wasn't making it about himself. He was making it about all you people. It was great. It was fantastic. I'd love to have referees who have great personalities. There's the, the bonus about being down on the ice is that you get to talk to the guys all the time. And, yes, there are some who still talk to me. And they are they're hilarious. So. It would have been awkward if I stopped that tape a little too soon, and then it would have sounded yeah. like, hey, coming up on dropping the gloves. They're not going to like it, but... Um, <laughs> but, of course, uh, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal. Fantastic. More of that. Welcome into the Green Zone. I'm Jamie Nye. He's Drew Remenda. Still coming up, J.C. Abbott on the latest story from TSN. On the Toronto Argonauts and quarterback Chad Kelly facing a lawsuit from a former strength and conditioning coach for wrongful termination and, in Chad Kelly's case, harassment. But right now it's time to drop the gloves. Now here's the long and the short of it. I hate hockey and I don't like kids. It's time to drop the gloves. We're losing! They're burying us alive! But hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Okay, Drew Romenda, we agree that there needs to be more of this. They're not going to like it, but the call on the ice was correct. No goal. But do you think the NHL will yeah. ever encourage the officials to put on a little bit more of a show when it comes to reviews? No way. Uh-uh. We don't want personality in the National Hockey League. We don't like people who step outside and have a little fun. This is a game, Jamie. This is serious. No, no, no. You no, no. professionals. You, what? Th- what? That's, like, those are two totally different really? things. A game oh, and really? this is serious? No, it's a game. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah. Really? It's no, sports no, no. entertainment. No. Let's no, be entertaining. No, no, no. no. Stop it. What? You're talking crazy now. Oh, wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot. <laughs> you can't slap a puck into an empty net. So I apologize. The game <laughs> I forgot. is, if we're going to go anywhere in this game, in the National Hockey League, we have to take all personality out of it. 
We've known that for years. And they're getting there. Now, listen, I thought it was great. Most of the fans laughed, enjoyed it. Everybody online, with the exception of, as you said, the viewers, we're not there to see the refs be comedians. <laughs> the game was the game ended up four nothing. Patrick Watt pulled his goalie with eleven minutes left in the third period. It wasn't much of a hockey game. So yeah, what was and, that? Sorry, it's, what was that? Other than Patrick Waugh being Patrick Waugh pulling the goalie with eleven minutes left. Now remember when he first came in the league, he he did something similar, but it wasn't eleven minutes. It was like five minutes left in the third, and eleven minutes. I'm sorry. Well, I get. I, I guess you know you could look at it from his his logic point of view. Going well, we're down by three anyway. We haven't got anything going. We're gonna get an extra attacker out there and, and go for it. But the it worked exactly how you thought it was going to work with right away a backhander from the red line going in. Cause you don't care with 11 minutes left about icing the puck, puck, down the whatever. Ice, icing the puck or anything. And it was, wasn't one goal, two goals, three goals. It was, or it was three goals. I should say that they were down They make it four, nothing right away. So I think a lot of it is what you said, Patrick Watt being look at me, but he was the, he was the one that changed the philosophy a little bit. That we're seeing goalies being pulled with two and a half minutes left. It used to be like a minute left in the third period when the PA announcer, that's when you start even thinking about pulling the goaltender. Oh, the PA announcer just announced a minute left. I didn't notice. Um, Maybe now we should pull the goaltender. Now it's two and a half, sometimes 250 left. Three, four. And you're looking at the goaltender if he's going to leave the net. And that was Patrick Waugh that started doing that with Colorado. You can go back. You can even go back to U.S. College, and actually, it was David Quinn who now coaches the Sharks and uh, Jackie Parker um, at BU. They were down. It was a national championship. They were down two or three, and they pulled the goalie with like six, five, six minutes left, and it worked. They came back and won the game. And so, other, other, like as we know, hockey is such a copycat game, right? I mean, hockey is. If they do it and it works, then we're going to do it. And so other teams started to do it. And Patrick in the National Hockey League was, as you as you rightly suggest, was the first real innovative guy to do it in the NHL. Although, when I was with Sharks coaching, George Kingston pulled the goalie um, in the first period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've only seen that like three seconds left in a draw in the offensive zone or something like that. It was a draw in the offensive zone, um, but it was three seconds. How'd that go, by the way? Did it go okay? Uh, Winnipeg scored right away. Oh, right on. Won the draw, got all the way down the ice, scored. I think, if I remember correctly, I had a, a little computer. Um, it was the last game of the year, by the way. Uh, and I had a little computer that I did I, I, I did my notes and my editing on. I think I set the record that day for farthest thrown laptop in the history of the San Jose Sharks, if I remember correctly, from upstairs. Did you hit yeah. anybody? Or? No, no. Okay, that's I, good. I, I, that's cleared, good. I cleared a lot of uh, heads. And, um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was what George 
after the game, I was so mad. It was last game of the year. This is the first year, I think it was, or the second of the last year. I was so mad after the game. And we we had a like a team. We we won 17 games that year, right? And there was a yeah. team thing, and, and, the, and the staff came down. So, you know, good first year type of thing. I wouldn't talk to George and Bob for, the, for that entire night. I was so mad. I, I stayed away from them, and finally looked at Michelle. Said, "Let's go." I'm, I'm, I'm she we've been here five minutes. So I don't care. Let's go. I just want to go. George finally came over and said, "Get over here and sit down and be a member of this coaching staff and this team, and let's talk." I, I don't want to talk to you. Anymore. I do not want to talk to you. I'm just going to get mad and yell. And Michelle's <laughs> like, "Like you're doing right now?" <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, I was. Why did that tick you off so much when you won 17 games? It was the last game of the season. I'm like, what do you care? That's basically what everybody was saying. Just that competitive juice is flowing for. You remember uh, the old Drew? That was the old, old Drew. So you remember the old Drew? The old, old Drew was worse. Coaching? 29 years old? When they give, I when might they, be happy they, I didn't know that, Drew. No, you no, there's other people who did like him, that's for sure. Okay. Uh somebody who wasn't quite that upset, but was clearly a little annoyed last night was the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, who started his news conference like this. Sometimes I have a lot to say. I don't have much to say. Sometimes I have a lot to say. I don't have a lot to say tonight. About that. Well, not much compete from the guys. That's on me. I gotta take the blame for that. We just had we a lot of no shows tonight. We need some guys to buckle up, change a few things maybe off the ice, get some rest, and uh, because you know this is—I mean, this is not even close to like playoff hockey. I mean, they—they—they they, they were desperate, but if these guys think playoff hockey is that, we're in trouble. There's been a couple of games here where we need some guys to get going. Um, you know, I don't care what our record is; it's just been—you know—it's been a little bit disturbing uh, some of the efforts from some of the guys right now. What do you think of your special teams, coach? The PKs now are aggressive. So when you beat an aggressive PK, you got to have the, whatever the word is, to take the puck, whatever, whether it's a shot. You guys talk about this talent. talent. Talent doesn't do anything if you don't work hard. You got to work hard. The best power plays work hard. And we're not really working hard, to be honest with you. Our clears were awful tonight. We had Three times to get the puck down, we didn't get it down. So we got to start to pick it up here, and we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it, and you have to have the BALs to, to, to get the puck out. So yeah, as much as you said he didn't have a lot to say, he yeah. said five minutes worth last night after the Canucks lost their four, fourth game in a row. So now, Drew, is this a blip or? Should the hands be hovering over the panic button for the Vancouver Canucks? This is a, this is what every team goes through in an 82-game schedule. They hit a, a rough spot, and they think they're working. They're not really working. They think they're doing what they used to do. They're not doing what they used to do. You get a little complacent. You get a little tired, and you you lose the the focus of where you are. Rick Tockett who knows exactly what he's talking about. He's 100% right. You watch that game, when you look at what Rick was saying, 100% correct on everything he was talking about. And that, especially in the power play, you can't let the penalty killers outwork you on the, power, on the penalty kill when you've got the power play. You can't. And they did. 
they their game was always centered around work, 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 work. And that's what Rick has brought to that team, the way they work and how smart and detailed they are. They've lost that a little bit. You get it back by continuing to... Well, was it their first goal last night? Like their first goal last night, it was a great effort back check by Brock Besser and JT Miller. And right. that's where it was like, they do it, but now they're just, sometimes they do it. Exactly. But they're not doing it as often. Now, they have played the most games out of anybody in the NHL. And I know it's only a game or two or three, but over in the, with the Oilers, you compare it, they've played six more games than the Edmonton Oilers. How much is fatigue at this time of year an issue when you've had six less off days than some of your competitors in the Pacific Division? Huge, especially when you're a West Coast team. We travel more than anybody. We fly more miles than anybody. And yes, it is a charter plane. And yes, they're treated well. But you're still on the plane longer than any other team in the league, especially the Eastern teams. So it does take its toll. That's why Rick mentioned in one of those clips is we got to look at the way we're doing things off the ice, maybe get more rest. Because they're obviously a fatigued bunch when he said that. But he didn't say they're a fatigued bunch. Well, he said they because, can't, you can't you can't put that as an excuse, right? But because you don't want because you don't you as soon as you say it, you go uh, because you don't want the guys leaning on that. But they are they're a little tired right now, but they'll get it back. They're they're a very good, very talented hockey team. They know the way, and I have great faith in in Rick and what he's done with that team. That's why I'm interested to see how the Oilers finish the season, because as I mentioned, they played six fewer games than the Canucks. That means they're going to have to play six more games than the Canucks in the final two months of the yeah. season with six yeah. less rest days going into the playoffs. So we'll see how much they're worn down by the end of it as they have to now play catch-up on some of these teams, both in the standings uh, and as well with games played. Like there's, there's, I'm showing Jamie the picture of our schedule. For you don't March. even, you didn't, you're only doing Barracuda games this month, aren't you? Because I'm doing, I'm doing Barracuda tonight, Barracuda tomorrow at two, Sharks tomorrow at seven. Uh, then we have the wine event. Uh, oh, your favorite uh, event of the year. My favorite event of the year, sampling with the Sharks. I'm going to go there and get hammered. And uh, <laughs> then we're at, <laughs> and every second day, See, Sharks are playing. Drew so doesn't drink at all. So <laughs> when he goes to this event, uh, I know some of you might know the term secondhand stone. Drew somehow <laughs> gets secondhand drunk. I don't know how it works. He doesn't consume. It no. just, I don't know what just, it is. I'm gonna, just breathing in the scent of alcohol, Drew enough. gets a little lightheaded. It's going to be totally hammered by the time I <laughs> finish broadcasting this weekend. <laughs> Broadcast might improve. <laughs> Does Michelle get to go to the wine event, or is it just Sharks employees only? No, she no no no. This is this is a, a big foundation thing. It's huge, but no, she's not coming. She's as I have often said about my lovely wife. She has paid her time. Oh. She's she's good. <laughs> I was just thinking she might have more fun at a wine event than uh, uh, you would. What could be more fun than a stone cold sober, never drank in his life? know-it-all opinionated broadcaster at at a wine event. Come on, man. Who has more fun than me? Life of the party, Drew Romenda. <laughs> Our game of the night next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Money don't grow on chains. I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. Ain't nothing in this world for free.
Jamie Niger, Amanda with you here on the Green Zone. A real quick uh, peek for the game of the night. Uh, I guess I'll go with the Edmonton Oilers and the Minnesota Wild. The Wild are right now four points out of a playoff spot. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, two back of the Vegas Golden Knights to leapfrog them. And now, because the Canucks are on a slide, you know what the Edmonton media are talking about. Can the Oilers catch the Canucks for first place in the Pacific Division? Are. 12 yeah. points back. Of course they are. With 29 games left. You know what? They're going to do it because the Canucks, they're done. I'm calling it right now. They're done. It's over. <laughs> I'm beyond panic button for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not going to watch anymore. They're done. Uh, They're just going to break my heart again like they have uh, since I started cheering for them in the early 90s. They're going to be okay. Thank you, Jason Fitzsimmons, for being drafted by the Vancouver Canucks uh, so I could lead a life full of heartbreak. Uh, That's what it was.